We'll take just a minute and talk about this book of Revelation for a second. It reads like this, Write the things which you have seen, which he's seen up to this point. That would be this unveiling of Jesus to him as the Alpha and the Omega and the first and the last, the beginning and the end, and his description of when he, for example, when he said he was there on the Isle of Patmos because of the testimony of Jesus, because of the righteous reign of Christ, the kingdom at work, and for uh, proclaiming that message, the sufferings that he was going through, he'd been exiled to this island, and this island sat, if I'm not mistaken, some of the things I've looked at it through the past, it was about 40 miles in the Aegean Sea, uh, directly west of Turkey. And the island was about 10 miles long and about six miles wide. And it would appear that it was a volcanic type island and they would put people who had gotten in trouble with the government, the Roman Empire, they would exile them to these islands as a form of punishment. And the scripture says that John was worshiping. He was in the spirit and he heard a voice that got his attention. It was like a trumpet. Sound like a, the idea of something that was loud, a loud voice. It got his attention. And when he turned around and looked, he then describes what he's seen. And that's where Jesus told him to write the things which you've seen. And then he says this, write the things which are and the things which must take place after this. The things that are is the message of chapter 2 and chapter 3. That is what is going on with the churches, the seven churches. And then what is to come is chapter 4 toward the end of the book, what is still yet to take place. So it's just the book gives us a really good natural flow of an outline for us to look at and something that we want to keep in mind in that is that here's this guy who had been faithful to the Lord and because of his faithfulness to God that's why he was on this island and also we want to keep in mind that no matter where we are God's able to get a word to us he's able to speak to us no matter where you find yourself they, they thought they could isolate him and get him away on this island and get him away from everybody, get him away from any kind of other influence and the kingdom work. And God comes to him, shows up, and Jesus meets with him and gives him a word for the church. So no matter how you look at it, we can see that no matter what place we find ourselves in life, God is able to get a word to us specifically when we've been faithful to him, you can count on him meeting those needs and bringing that revelation uh, to us. The other aspect of it is, here he is on this island, isolated, pretty much what would be a prison sentence, away from, not with any capability of getting off of the island. God gives him a word, and that word was to be sent to the seven churches in the Turkey region, which was known as Asia Minor in those days. So those seven churches. So here he is in a confined place, isolated from the world. Jesus encounters him, gets a word to him, and then tells him the word that I give you is going to be sent to 
these churches. And these churches were seven literal churches. They not only were they churches that gathered together, not only were they churches that gathered together, they had overseers, and that would be the messengers or the angels for whom John sent the letter to, to reveal to these churches things that the Lord was aware of, as he is omniscient, he, he knows all, he's omnipresent, he sees all and is in present in all that, so he could see what was going on, and in each one of these, I had some old sheets from back in 2001 and 2002 that I was able to pull out the shed back there that I had put away and went through a box today and found some of these things. But with each of these seven churches, we see, we see several dynamics that he wrote to them about. We see the call to them. We see the counsel that he gave to them. We see the challenge that he presented to them. And then we see the crown of what he would do for them that overcame. And in each one, there was a message, a promise for those that over, that would overcome. So when you, when we look at it, there's a lot of things that we can glean that go along with the direct objective of the message. That is to unveil Jesus to us because this revelation of him is the idea of laying bare, um, exposing a dynamic of Jesus that the world did not know up to this point. Of course, those that knew him, walked with him, been saved by him, was in fellowship with him, knew much of him, but didn't know him in this capacity. And this is something that was given to him, and they didn't want to seal it up. They wanted it to spread and go throughout the world where if we read over in the book of the Old Testament, like the book of Daniel, there was a time when Daniel was encountered by an angel. And that angel revealed things to him, but he told him to seal it up. It wasn't, he didn't have permission to talk about a particular thing because the timing wasn't right. Where in this book, we find that the angel says, don't seal it up. That he says, don't seal it up, it is to be Proclaim. So it's a, a message of a final call, not only for us as believers, but it's a final call for us as believers to recognize that, hey, this world we live in, when these things begin to take place that is to come, they come quickly. It's going to happen swiftly. And we don't have time. There's a sense of urgency. And we want to be readied and well prepared for it. So when you read through each one of these churches, you want to look at the call upon that church. You want to look at the challenge that he presented to them. What he noticed was was right with them, what was wrong with them. And then we want to pick up the counsel that he gives to them, and we want to see uh, the challenge in it, we want to see the crown in it about overcoming. And these overcomers are these believers in the midst of these uh, churches that will be endowed with these great promises of what God's going to give uh, to them. So there's so much in it that it, it has driven men crazy through the years trying to glean all they could out of it and then try to explain it in detail and sometimes what, what people do is that they approach the book looking for events that are to unfold and come about. 
But what we want to look at it more than anything is that we want to see what God said from the very beginning. What does is, what is verse 1 say of chapter 1? What is this book? What's the, what's the reason? What's the objective of the book? He says it's the revelation. The revelation, the unfolding or the opening up, the manifestation of Jesus Christ, which God, the Father, gave Jesus to show his servants. That would be me. That would be you as a believer. What was these things he wanted them to show? Things which must quickly or swiftly take place. Not necessarily in a short time frame, but when they happen, they're going to happen swiftly. It's going to, it's going to take place on uh, very swiftly. And then he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. And then John had the responsibility to get this message to the churches. And then the churches had the responsibility to hear what the Spirit said and then go declare that to a world that they lived in. Verse 2 tells us that John was a witness to the Word of God and he was a witness to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. It says, blessed is he that, number one, reads the message. Remember, not everybody could read in those days. Not everybody would have a copy of this, but certain ones would. For an example, the, the, the angels, which were the shepherds, which were the pastors of these seven churches, they got this letter and it was their responsibility to read it to the congregation. So there's a blessing in reading it. Then there is a blessing in what? Hearing it, notice the singular. Blessed is he who reads and then what? Those, the body who hear the words of this prophecy and keep, who guard, who keep, who follow up, who do those things which are written in it for the time is near. So we see this, what's that? Yeah. You know, because I thought, you know, I mean, you get the reading in there, and I was like, man, this is the end of time, you know? Right, and, right. And it scared me. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, it hadn't, since I found out the whole truth about it. Right, you know I mean? right. Now it's a blessing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a blessing to us. But I'm just saying, in my earlier years, yeah. you know, not knowing right. really what I was reading, you know, yeah. all I was, you know, I was scared of it. I didn't, I, I didn't go to it much. Yeah. Uh, a lot, a lot of people do that even today. Yes, they do. They don't want anything to do with it. It intrigues people. Boy, they hear, okay, you're going to be looking, reading through, or teaching on Revelation. Man, I want to hear what, what that is and see what people often attempt to do because you're looking at the end times. So they're looking at trying to figure out, okay, give me the signs of these things so I can see these things come to pass. That, that's the idea. And there's a sense of intimidation on that. But we've got to remember, the message of the book is, it is a revealing of Jesus in a way that he had not been revealed previous. This lamb that was slain is also the lion of the tribe of Judah. This lamb is who is being worshipped will also pour out his wrath. And you see those things. And anybody that we find in the book that's right 
walking rightly with God, what are they doing? Throughout the book, they're worshiping. But anybody that's not right, what are they doing? They, they are, are suspect for judgment. Because remember, this Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. He has the first word over us. He'll have the last word over us. I don't, I won't have the last word. None of us are going to have the last word. This world's not going to have the last word. Satan's not going to have the last word. They don't tell you they're not going to have the last word. But God will have the last word over all things. And, Yeah, there's so much in there, and that, that's one of the reasons why when I teach on it, the whole objective is, is for, for comfort. Also for conviction for us to go do what he's called us to do so that we can see people rescued and not have to endure what is yet to come. And this is one of the compelling factors of the book is that they, they see that this lamb who is to be worshipped above all is also the same lamb who's going to pour out his wrath upon this earth. And those that he's not the alpha and the omega of, who's the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come, which speaks of, I, he, I want him to be uh, the first and the last over my past. I need him to be the first and the last over my present. And I need him to be the first and the last over my future. He's going to be, but I want to know that he is. And I want to live in such a way of that reflection of him. So when we, when we look at that, also look in 19. Look in chapter 19. This is something that we want to keep in mind. Remember, this is a, a book pro, that is prophetic. Yeah, 19. Look in verse number 10, 1910. He says, And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren whom have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit or the breath, the life of prophecy. So it goes back to, remember, verse 1 says this is something God gave his son and he gave it to him to unveil himself to the world, to his people. And then we see it again here. The breath of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So this whole book is, is about Jesus. And that's what we want to see in it when we're going through. What is everybody in heaven doing when they, when they are around the throne? What are they doing? Everybody that's on the earth that trusts God, walking with what are they doing? They're celebrating. They're worshiping. It's only those that are not his that are antagonistic, that are fighting against it. And we don't want to be in that number. We want to be caught up in the spirit of prophecy, the prophetic, which is the testimony of Jesus, and that we, we live a lifestyle of worship. And no matter where we find ourselves, he's able to get a word to us. And no matter where we are, he's able to get a word through us to get it out to people. So when we see John on that island, it's just a reminder for us, man, God knows where we're at. God knows what the world's doing around us. 
God knows what he wants to get to the world and what he wants to get to me. And he can find me in no matter what situation I'm in, no matter how good or bad or convenient or inconvenient. And he has a way of getting that message to me and then through me to other people. And that just, that's just a great, a, a great takeaway of knowing where John was at, what was going to happen, what was still to take place in his life and being able to get this word out. There's other times that that happened as well. God came to Jeremiah. He sent a message by somebody to Jeremiah and he told Jeremiah he was going to he was going to do something and uh, something was going to work out for Jeremiah, but Jeremiah was in a prison. He told him to go tell. Well, if God tells you to do something like that like he tells John, that means he's doing something. Meanwhile, He's working something out that you can't see right now. And he's working that out. So we just want to be faithful. We want to take what he says, trust him, and then go walk in it. These are physical gatherings of people that he had a word for, that he reveals that he sees what's going on. We see the positives and we see the negatives. And we want to, we want to line ourselves up with the positive side and be willing to, as he says, repent, you know, repent, repent, because he's the one who is walking in our midst. He's walking in the midst of the candlesticks, which is the churches, and he can remove it if he chooses, or he can bless it. And we want him, we want his favor and his blessings upon it. So we just want to line ourselves up and be those overcomers that he's given us to be. So there's a there's a passage in there, and I'm trying to think where I saw this. Look, and it might be it's 15. It's 15. This is where we want to find ourselves in everyday living. Verse number three says, "They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying." Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Now that's a... That's a word, that is a tremendous word that he's the king of all the saints. Verse 4, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name. That ought to be, that's just a, a, a great place to be from the perspective of, when we're looking around, we're thinking, who in the world should not give place over to the Lord and praise and glorify his name? Who on the earth? There's anybody in heaven on earth? Is there anybody that's exempt from that? You see, we look at it that from that perspective that those that are in his presence and see him, they say nobody's exempt. Nobody's exempt. Everybody should give place to him in honor and, and trust and making him the priority of their life and then glorifying him uh, through that life and nobody's exempt we should look around on this earth and everybody we look to we look at no oh, man are they giving place to God and glorifying him if they're not why why aren't they 
and we have a means to, to help them see that, why that's not happening. So that's just some of the things that I consider when I'm walking through it. I just want to, I want to see Jesus. I want to see what the righteous are doing when they're in the presence of Jesus. I want to see what they're walking in and how they're thinking and living and celebrating and praising so that I can recognize the difference in the righteous and those that are uh, not his or those who are wayward in heart and need to turn back to him. So there's so much in it. There's so much in it. I just want to have that takeaway tonight that, hey, he can find you. He knows where you are, and he can get a word to you and get a word through you for his glory. Amen? Amen. Anybody, anybody's got anything you want to add to it? Thank you, thank you. Thank you for praying for. But we'll see. We're just giving it to Jesus. It's all we can do. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you and thank you. Thank you for your kindness. Be with our folks that are spread out tonight. Some are out of state in various places. We pray that you would uh, meet with them, help them, encourage them, that, Lord, you'd use us and that we would be a blessing to you and to your people, to your family, and that we can celebrate you, that we will look for you, and that we would live in the light of your glorious good news of your coming back for us. So, Lord, we want to fix our eyes on you. Thank you so much for your kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. Love y'all.